Brotherhood, multiplication, restoration. We are Sin Network. We're a family planting churches together. Journey with us as we hear from church planters all across North America, discovering what it really takes to plant churches everywhere for everyone. This week, I'm with Steve Witt in Henderson, Nevada, just south of Las Vegas, to talk about the Well Church. Pastor Steve, man, it's good to connect and be here at the church. Man, this is awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Welcome to our city. Yes, your city. Where, where, where is your city? Well, if you're not from here, this is Las Vegas. If you live here, this is Henderson. This okay. is East Henderson. Okay, and you have a unique view. I mean, it's as as we was driving through, I just noticed that, like, it's a, it's different than what I traditionally or what people traditionally think about Vegas. You know, coming growing up in Cali, I used to come down to Vegas, and Vegas for me was the Strip. Yeah, you know, and that's what Vegas to me. But this is not the strip. No, these are these are the people that clean up the mess on Mondays after okay. those guys leave. Yeah. So uh, that, they're the they're the regular everyday people, uh, nice people, families, communities. Uh, it's you know probably like any, well I would say any town in America, yeah. but it's definitely a lot like. Uh, a lot of other cities in America as far as the people. Yeah, is it, I mean, are people from here? Nobody, rarely. There are people on this end of the city that are second generation that have yeah. lived here a lot of their life, but most of our city are, there were transplants. Okay. I mean, you can tell by my accent, I'm not from Nevada or Las Vegas, but you know, once you move here, it's, it's your city. So wherever you go, there you are. Yeah, no, that's it. Did you play, did you, I mean, when did you move here? I moved here in January of 2016. Okay. Um, but came out on a uh, vision tour that the North American Vision Catch yeah. the Vision tour. Yeah. That's what brought me here. Never been to Las Vegas in my life. My pastor at Thompson Station Church said, "Hey, going to Vegas to look at help church planning. We want to help fund it. Okay. So will you go with me?" I jumped on a plane. I thought, you know, uh, we'll come out here and enjoy Vegas and. 48 hours after getting here, uh, it's all I thought about. God broke my heart, and Man. it's I knew this was where uh, so I was going to end up. So you came out here not even knowing that you were actually going to be moving here. I mean, no. what was from that CTV, from that Catch the Vision tour, to you actually moving here? How much time? Um, well, that was in October of 2014. Um, I knew within within by the end of the week after that week, I knew God was had stirred my heart to go from the comfortable place that I was at, which I loved because I love Middle Tennessee and spent my whole life in Tennessee, to moving out here when uh, we had a pastor that took us up on Red Rock. We're looking out on the valley and he said, you know, 95% uh, of these people go to bed in, at night without having a relationship with Jesus mm -hmm. Christ. What are you going to do about that? Yeah. And I couldn't get that out of my mind and, and I felt God's call. Uh, to be, not that every city has lost people, yeah. but I knew God had called me to this city. So when you said, I mean, you're you're coaching football now? Yes. Where, well, where do you coach? Uh, it's called Basic High School. We're the Wolves, the Wolf Pack. And, okay. Uh, uh, it's, a, it's a great bunch of kids. And yeah. It's a high school, maybe 24 to 2,700 kids, and a uh, great football team, very different than coaching football in Tennessee. Different, yeah. you know, athlete. As we were talking earlier, I remember what was unique about you said you divide up the city 
by neighborhoods, yeah. and then you divide up even neighborhoods by high school. Yes. Like, if you're a football coach, that's how you think. You think in it. high schools. Yeah. So every neighborhood is representative of a high school. So, yeah. so the question that everyone I want to know is, where does your team rank, and how good of a coach are you? Yeah, you I'm know. not a great football coach. No, I, I'm. You know, I'm. A, I'm okay. I, I know how to coach offensive and defensive line, but mm -hmm. it gives me a platform to uh, to be able to talk to these guys yeah. about more than just sports. You know, the part of the church responsibility I think as a Christian, not only to introduce them to Jesus Christ, but also to challenge them academically to finish high school to, you know to have God-sized visions of their own life so that they're not stuck in a lifestyle or in the projects where they don't have a dream or a vision to really maximize their time on heaven. I think, you know, one of the great things about being a Christian, you can dream and God has bigger dreams than we have and introducing these young men to Christ and getting them focused on God's vision for their life, it's bigger than anything they're gonna dream for themselves. Yeah. So that's, football's, just a means to that end. Yeah. Uh, but you know, teaching a kid how to block and tackle, those are all okay things that you know they can do for for a short time. But it gives me a platform to do other things like you know to share, or teach, or to get them connected with God at whether it's here at the well or at another church, yeah. just to get them more concerned or more focused about Jesus Christ. So you you talked about going from football to here at the well. I mean, what, what's your bridge? How do you get them? from football practice, football games, to attending church here? Yeah, well, it starts like anything else. You have to, you know, just inviting them before I know them doesn't work. So I built relationships, start hanging out with the guys. And, um, you know, when you're in the, you spend three hours a day, sometimes five hours a day, depending on what time of year with these guys. Yeah. And you begin to talk about more than just football. You talk about life, you ask about their families, you find out, you know, what do you see yourself doing in five years? And through those relationships, we just say, hey, uh, you know, God's called me here. They're like, why did you move from Tennessee to here? Well, I'm like, well, I'm here as a, a minister, as a pastor, as a, to share the gospel and to tell people about how God can change their life. And if you'd like to know more about it, you know, I would either share it with them there or I'd just say, come over to the well and, you know, at six o'clock on Tuesday, we'll feed you and then we'll t have a, time of worship, Bible study. So are you able to be that open? I mean, as a lot of times you talk about with teachers and everything, you're able just to kind of share the gospel that that explicitly? Yeah, if they engage me. Yeah. Um, you know, it's been amazing. And to have our coaches, a lot of our coaches aren't Christ followers. They, they, uh, they don't believe in that, but they allow our kids to pray. And what was funny, uh, even last year, we had a really bad incident that made kind of a national scene when we had a brawl between the two high schools early in the season. But God did a transformation. About 25 or 30 of our boys now have received Christ, followed through in baptism, and are pretty connected. And what was cool is the captain, which is one of the kids that had come to Christ, said, hey, after the game, can I invite the other team over to the middle of the field and let's pray? And that was that may be normal in the yeah. south. That's no, very that's, that's not normal in the no, west. So I'm I said, sure. Like, I'm, I'm from LA. I, yeah. I know exactly. Well the, well, the head coach said, who didn't believe in the Lord, he doesn't believe in Jesus. But he's like, sure, you want to do that? I don't care. So he yeah. he went over to the captain of the other football team. Said, hey, win or lose after the game, can we meet in the middle of the field? Well, we already had a reputation because we'd already had a brawl early in the year that yeah. ended up, you know, that it was a bad scene. Yeah. But here we are, it was almost week eight, I think, when this happened, uh, eight weeks into the season. 
we came to the middle of the field, the police almost didn't let us come out. There's always seems like there's extra cops yeah. when we're playing. Yeah. The police weren't going to let us on the field, but I said, look, just, just let them. These guys aren't here for anything yeah. bad. They came out in the middle of the field and they kneeled and then they laid hands on each other and they began to just pray in Jesus' name. The guy, the guy his name's Stevie, that had come to Christ, began to just pray in Jesus' yeah. name that God would help us to reach this city. So tell me what they call you. Do they call you Pastor, Most, Pastor Steve, Pastor Witt? That's a good question. Most of them call me Coach Witt, and, which I like. You know, yeah. I think we're more life coaches than anything. And uh, on Sundays, that's fine. But yeah. the, most of the guys call me Coach. Most of the yeah. parents of the kids who now come, they call me Coach. Yeah, I love it because on one end, it sounds like you're able to be explicit, explicitly Christian, but you're also intentionally relational. Like you're able to relate to one another as, hey, Coach, you know, but at the same time, man, if the opportunity to share the gospel, you're bold. You're yeah. being able to share and to communicate and yeah. and all that. So I mean, that's that's exciting. It you is know, to to hear. I mean, just say, you're a man after my heart. My dad played pro football, and so I also I had three girls first. So my first <laughs> three, so I ended up coaching girls basketball. So I coach high school girls basketball, and that's a lot of you know we have a lot of basketball players who come to our church oh, on wow. on Sunday because of my relationship with the girls basketball team. Kind of bleeds into the boys team and everything, and that's and everything. Awesome. But it sounds like very similar to you, your ability to engage and to spend this time with these boys um, on a consistent basis it has been able to bridge the gap for you, you know, as a church planner. And that's, you, that's how a lot of your growth has come, you know, in the early parts. It has. A lot of it has been, or at least that's been the kind of the, the spark plug that got other relationships happening. Mm -hmm. But yeah, just we, once you reach the student, like we had a, a young, one of our players, Rojas, he uh, they're from Mexico, but they've moved here. And he came to our church. He came to know Christ. He brought his oldest sister. She came to Christ. His younger mm -hmm. sister, she came to Christ. His other brother, she came to Christ. Then the mom started coming, and then she accepted Christ. Yeah. Uh, hadn't got the dad yet, but all the most all the family there has come to so know So how has that been How has that been for you? Like, you have high school students probably can't. I don't know if they drive or can't drive. You first attract them. Do you have some type of shuttle system where yeah. you go and get them or— we I mean, have a church van, oh, which, a church van. Okay. which helps, you know, uh, we, we, I just shared on, I shared on social media, Hey, we could really use a van yeah. and within a week, somebody bought us a van. So mm -hmm. I'm not saying that God's going to do that for everybody, but he yeah. opened up that door for us. And that gives, and we take kids to seven on seven tournaments, wrestling tournaments. Mm -hmm. The other pastor that serves with me, he coaches high school wrestling. Yeah. So it just, uh, we use that van a lot of the I used it yesterday to haul yeah. kids around so it's a it's been a it's been a great tool to help get kids here but also to help get them because a lot of them don't have transportation anyway right, to get right. them from wherever they're going to sporting events or whatever um, what has been some of the challenges you know as it relates to being in the school reaching the youth before even to some degree some of the parents like what, what has been some of your challenges in, in that? That's a good question. There are challenges because, you know, we're all, there's a lot of different cultures in Las Vegas. It really doesn't, I, which I think is a good thing overall yeah. that we're so multicultural as a city. I don't know the exact breakdown, yeah. but it's it's very diverse. There's cultural differences in how people are raised and the religions they come from. And uh, like there's several of the boys that I really love that are like Buddhist or mm. involved in the Mormon church. And I just really want to see them come to know the, the Jesus I know. That's a challenge because you're dealing with the family, the 
the religion that has generational roots to it and to introduce them to the true and living Savior obviously is the work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. But as a messenger, that's a challenge to you fall in love with these people. You want to see them come to know your Jesus, and that's a challenge. You being an Anglo, you know, going into this environment, was that something that was helpful? Was that, did you have to overcome? What were some of the benefits and challenges of you as an Anglo going into a very diverse community? Um, well, normally I think it would be tough, but because I'm a football coach, football is a unique sport yeah. that it really doesn't matter what color you are, where you come from, it's all about playing the sport and playing it well. And just coming in and uh, people respond to love and they respond to kindness. And if you're kind and you love them and you show interest in them and you're willing to listen to them and kind of get to know them, that's kind of unusual. Yeah. And being able to do that gives you a platform to share. So I didn't have a lot of issues with that. I yeah. felt like the the people and the parents and the community, uh, they're, they're ready for people. They're ready yeah. for relationships. So I haven't had a lot of struggles from that end. Our biggest struggle has been from other religions uh, our city is predominantly Mormon, yeah. so having to deal with that has been a challenge. But even the Mormon church, they're nice people, they're kind people. There's just obviously a difference. We, we see things very differently spiritually. But even with that, we have relationships, you know, as far as the, we, get, we get along. As a kid, we used to move so much. I used to ask my parents, are we running from the cops? <laughs> so when you think about this idea of moving, I mean, we move from place to place. You move from Tennessee to Vegas. Mm -hmm. You know, was that an easy transition? Are you one that was like, you can just pick up and go and move? How was that for you? How was that for your wife? Yeah, how, well, how did that all take place? Well, that was a very difficult, that was a tough time of all the things that happened. And I was to say, what was the most difficult part of, of being actually here was that those those first uh, few months here. You know, I'd I'd lived 46 years or almost 47 in Tennessee. I uh, grew with the city, knew the city. Very, I was in a great church with a lot of great people, and had a chance to minister to you know just a lot of great people every Sunday. And to get on that plane, come out here to that vision tour, and to to hear that story and to realize God is calling me to the desert. Yeah. Well, I'd never even been to Las Vegas. Up yeah. until October 14, I'd never been out here. Mm -hmm. I'd been to California once or twice, never been to Vegas. Yeah. How was that convincing to your wife? Was it, when you got back home, you said, honey, I feel God is calling us to, yeah, to enter city. And she's like, okay, let's go. I mean, it was how, interesting. How was well, again, she's born and raised. She's from East Tennessee, Johnson okay. City. I'm from Knoxville, but when I called her, I was at the Green Valley Ranch up here in Henderson uh, at a Catch the Vision tour yeah. when God had really pressed on my heart. And I called her and she goes, why are you so quiet? And I said, and then before I even said anything, she said, God's calling you to that to Vegas, isn't he? And I said, I don't know. I, I just know that I'm really stirred right now. And I, I'm so uncomfortable mm -hmm. with in my spirit mm -hmm. about what's going on. And uh, she, God had spoke to her in her time with with God that day while he was speaking to me up on Red Rock that, that afternoon. So it was definitely a God calling and yeah. we know nothing about like I'm I'm as hillbilly as they come. So I don't you know, I don't know much about Western context. And that and that so so God spoke to her, God spoke to you simultaneously and it was like 
It's yeah. pretty pretty settled from that point. And that was just logistics of trying to figure out how we're going to do it. It is. Now, I will say this, uh, kind of like, you know, if you, you look in the in story of Gideon, uh, he laid some fleeces out. Yeah. I laid a lot of fleeces. I still have that somewhere, about yeah. 50 things that I wrote down. It may have even been more than 50 things that I knew needed to happen in order for me to move out here. And I remember November of 2015, I checked the last box. God had answered every prayer, prayer that yeah, I had before awesome. we moved. So that made it easier. Yeah. So after you can have the family and God kind of confirm that with your family, and then you're here with a good buddy, a friend, you're, you're the other pastor yes. that, that is here. Um, when did you start convincing him? Well, that, when God called me in October is when I knew God was calling me. I called him in November, okay. uh, which was a couple weeks later. And I said, hey, I've been praying who God would send me. I didn't want to come alone. I wanted to come with a with another pastor. I just felt like it's important to go by twos. Jesus sent people in twos. Mm -hmm. So I called him. I said, look, I think God's calling you to join me. Would you pray about that? And immediately said, God's not calling me to Las Vegas. Yeah. He goes, we'll help support you. but." I'm over here in West, I'm in Inglewood. I'm in a really comfortable church. Mm -hmm. I love my people here. I don't, I have no interest. So I said, look, don't say anything. You just pray about it. I won't, I won't say another word to you. Mm -hmm. And for, and I didn't, I didn't call him up until the end of December. He and I were at a student conference because he had a bunch of teenagers at a conference. And I was there with some kids and we, uh, we met and talked for about 15 minutes and he said, he said, you know, I've really been bothered by that conversation and God's stirring in me that I need to really, I really need to go and explore if God's calling mm -hmm. me there. So we got on a plane in April of 2015. Uh, he and you his were wife. here at that time. I wasn't here yet. You wasn't here yet, okay. But we just came out here and we were, and I just took him around what I knew of the city, which was yeah. very little, yeah. and just showed him and we just went prayer walking. And I said, just pray, you know, let God speak to you if this is where he's calling you. Within 48 hours, the Lord had so captured uh, John and Emily's heart for this city. Mm -hmm. uh, they they told me before we got we're, we're sitting at, at the airport, and he said we're gonna we believe God's. Called How do us you to think it would have been different? You know, if because I'm pretty sure that if that didn't happen, you probably you and your family still would have came. How would it have been different for you? Just this you. I think it would have been more difficult because I think it's important to have someone there who you can share that burden with. We just still came. I mean, we knew God had called us. We weren't going because there was a need. There's needs everywhere. Yeah. We weren't going because, you know, we need to plant a church. God God is the author and finisher of that. We went because he called us here. Yeah. That's critical. If you, if you yeah. operate according to calling, it really doesn't matter how difficult the circumstances right. might be. You just go and you know God's going gonna to sorted out. Fortunately, what I felt like God was speaking into my heart, he was confirming in John's heart. So we were able to see that happen. But that's a great question. I have no idea. I was yeah. still came and it would have been more difficult in my opinion. I mean, it's often a question that we wrestle with at our church at Blueprint. We don't send pastors alone. We feel like if God is confirming something, that there's a team that you need to go with the team. And we're not saying that you can't go by yourself, but we've just seen so many pastors, so many planners kind of get burnt out. So they're going, no one there to support, no one there lifting them up, and you get fatigued, you get tired. So you talked about 95% of unchurched in Vegas. You know, you and John came out here with your, with your families and you had that support for one another, but even being in such an unchurched city, um, how hard is it to raise up 
leaders to kind of come alongside even you two because even you two have a capacity however you wrestled with that raising up just the next generation of leaders yeah that's a thing we're in process of that right now mm -hmm. when we first started there were a few christians that lived here in vegas that heard about it hey there's this dude from tennessee starting a church they came out they believed in what God was calling us to do and they joined us or most of them weren't really even connected yeah. at any kind of level other than attending worship at other churches. That helped us in our first phase, but now having these folks that have come to know Christ, the process from you know, who's God, introducing them to, to who Jesus Christ is, receiving mm -hmm. him, how do you study the Bible, how do you apply the Bible, and then how do you communicate the Bible to others? That's a yeah. process that it's a takes- a long trajectory. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's years. Yeah, so how have you, I mean, so you said you're in the process of doing that. I mean, I'm always just kind of wondering, okay, how do you do that? I mean, you have this, because a lot of times as believers, we're kind of, you know, we know we can affirm the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. We affirm that, we see that. Yep. But when we try to raise up laborers, especially laborers that are coming up from people that came to know the Lord through us, there's not this kind of quick, no. you know, fix, easy. And so like, how do you adjust to that? How do you not burn out? Uh, that's a, that, again, as we're going through that now, that's even a hard one for us to answer because we've only existed for about two and a half years. Yeah. In that time with these new folks that are just coming to know Christ, we're learning, okay, we assume they know stories of the Bible because we grew yeah, up in the yeah, South. Yeah. So a person in the South who just came to know Christ usually has a, a general context of the Bible. They know most of the main characters can tell you, you know, the Old Testament, there's a New Testament. I've heard of Moses, I've heard of mm -hmm. Abraham. We're finding here they don't know those stories. Right. So we're even having to teach the most basic stories. Yeah. And being patient in that process is something we're learning. So right. we primarily do things through small groups. So I teach, uh, like our, for, I teach teenagers on Tuesday night, we have a small group and we just take the scripture, break it down. We talk about real issues. Right. Now it's high school boys right. will tell, will talk about real issues. Mm -hmm. I mean, we talk about things that are as controversial as abortion and why is that right or wrong or why, why should you care one way or the other. Right. I mean, these kids aren't mo politically motivated, so you've got to share, what does Jesus think right. about stuff like that? And, and, and yeah, and I hear everything you're saying, and I think that is, I mean, that's profound in like, in how you're, you know, addressing and talking, because I work with high school student boys and girls, I, I reckon, I, I feel your pain. I guess part of what I'm asking, you know, and something I've wrestled with personally, is it's like, is this trajectory that I'm on, is this sustainable? Like, can I sustain this? Am I on the, the pace of burnout? You hear about so many pastors burning out, so many pastors giving up, so many pastors having an affair. People, they don't just arrive there. You know, it's because of a trajectory in their lives. So I'm saying, what keeps you grounded as you and John are here by yourself, lonely? Like, you know, and like, what keeps you grounded? What keeps you from veering to the left or to the right, and even not just today, but what's going to keep you from there five years from now? That's a, that's a question I, I've, that I asked a long time ago that sustained me. This is my 23rd year as a pastor. Mm -hmm. And the question that I asked myself early in the ministry is what would it take for you to quit doing what you're doing? Yeah. And you need to decide at what point you'll give up because whatever point that you'll quit is exactly where Satan's going to take you. Mm -hmm. 
he'll find, and it may even be an area you think you're strong in, but at what point will you say enough is enough? Yeah. And I knew then, and I have to reaffirm that in my spirit often, especially since I've moved here, you have to die to that. You operate according to calling. I don't, I don't, I now operate according to God's call, not my will. Yeah. And which I think is a challenge in American Christianity because we're so used to comfort and we're so used yeah. to, if things are tough, maybe that's not God. Right. And to, to keep, as First Peter says, to be sober-minded yeah. means you have to really reaffirm your call and you've got to die to those areas and you got to continue to reaffirm those areas and give them over to the Lord that dishearten us, discourage us, challenge us. How do you know the difference between the two? I mean, because I, I'm, a, I'm a football player. Like I said, my dad played football. I played football. The difference between pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, you know, push through two a days, <laughs> get it to like, like, how do you differentiate? Are you fighting against God? Fighting against God. Yeah, fighting against God. Burnout, you're putting more on yourself than God's even putting on you versus, no, I'm in the will of God. It's hard, but I'm in the will of God, and I'm going to keep grinding. I'm going to keep pushing. Absolutely. I think when you're really serving the kingdom of God, it is difficult because uh, we're battling against the principalities and powers of darkness, and Satan is as real as you know, in that he's trying to destroy us. He has a threefold ministry to kill, steal, and destroy. And he's gonna, he is relentless in that, and he's gonna come at us. But to maintain that, we have to keep our vision clear and our mind sober. And to do that, I can't do that. If I don't meet with God in his word, then whatever I deal with that day, I'm gonna evaluate based on human nature more than more often than not, whereas God may be trying to get my attention and to teach me something. But when I don't spend time, I know that sounds like an old answer, but if I don't open my Bible and I don't study it that morning and spend time in prayer with my God to get his perspective on my day, when things happen to me, I'll usually lean more toward the human nature side of things rather than letting the Holy Spirit use that as a teachable moment. How is it different ministering in the uh, West? Well, it, it wasn't that it was more difficult. It was just a change of scenery. Mm -hmm. I'd go into the Kroger in Spring Hill and it'd take me an hour to get out because I knew so many people. Because I'd lived in that town for on and off for 20 years. But to come out here and to go into the Smith's Grocery down the street and to walk out not talking to anyone was a challenge. And then the Lord's like, why did you go in there and you didn't share anything? Yeah. So and you told me that like, you you challenge you have a personal challenge of sharing the gospel at least twice yeah. a week okay. every yeah. every week I've so done is that, that harder time. worse easier it's easier here much easier easier in Vegas much easier okay. I'm telling you people in the South they all you know whether they know Christ or not they know the right catchphrases to disconnect you from that conversation out in the West or at least in some areas, they're not as used to those religious questions. Mm. So when you begin to ask them about what matters in life or what value, you know, wh where do you, you know, what drives you, mm. it gives genuine conversation and then it gives me a lot of opportunities and segues into the gospel. Mm. It's, in my opinion, much easier here than it is in the South because there's such a religious context already. Even a non-believer has enough knowledge of the scripture to disconnect those conversations. Do you so have a certain method that you just go in and say, hey, I would love to talk to you. I mean, is it a cold call? Is it just? It's uh, all the above. I think the key is, is your mindset 
Do you really care about these people around you? Do you want to get to know them? Mm -hmm. If you don't want to get to know people and you don't care about where they are, you need to go do something else in life. Yeah. You need, if, part of being a minister or a pastor, uh, in, in my estimation, is you've got to love people. If you don't care about the people around you or want to get to know them, then you're going to continually struggle with relationships or sharing your faith or wanting to invest in people outside of a structured religious time versus sharing life with somebody. As yeah. a church planner, you've got to share life with people. Yeah. You can't just say, hey, I'm having church out here on Sunday at nine, show up and I'll minister to you. Mm -hmm. You've got to go out and share life Monday through Saturday. And then on Sunday, it's more of a gathering and a celebration of what God's been doing through the week. Yeah. So it's more of a mindset more than it is a, a, an X's and O's or a one, two, three. So what's, why do you, why do you have to discipline yourself? Do it two times a week. I mean, how do you, how do you balance that tension between genuinely caring about people and then also having this as a kind of a, check a discipline my boxes. practice? Yeah. Well, I, I know that even though I have the Holy Spirit as a believer, I also have a human nature. Yep. And Paul talks about that. You know, the war in my members are at law with the things going on in my mind. And I realize that we have to discipline our human nature to push it away so that the Holy Spirit can be predominant, not just yeah. in our uh, in our attitudes and in our actions, you know. And, and I think thoughts and attitudes are so, I don't know which leads to the other, but thoughts and attitudes can be best uh, directed to the Holy Spirit. So as a believer, I understand the scripture teaches me that if I stay in the word, stay in prayer, focus on celebrating what I see God doing, sharing my faith with other people intentionally and, and fellowshipping with other people. If I'll, if I'll do those five maxims, you know, Bible study, prayer, worship, fellowship, and sharing my faith, it, it is very difficult not to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ if you are actively growing in those things. And even though it is spirit-led, it's biblically driven, which is a process. 